Welcome everybody to another episode of the Good Bit Podcast. We are back after a little month-long hiatus in the summertime. It's a brand new season and today we are chatting about the 1991 Steven Spielberg classic starring Robin Williams, Julia Roberts and Dustin Hoffman. It is Hook and uh, we are here, can you believe it, joined by Tyler Collins. My first guest back or my first episode back after a wee summer break, taking a wee month off. Uh, <laughs> no reason whatsoever, mainly just because I was in Tenerife and now I'm home. Clock, we're here, another episode of The Good Bit. I'm with Tyler. Welcome to the show. How are you enjoying the summertime? Welcome to The Good Bit. Thanks so much, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, all seven days of the summer that we've had so far. Seven? You mean four or five? <laughs> I know. Well, we had two days in May and then there was like ah. two days two days in, in June. Um, but I'm, I'm psyched. I'm going down to London next month. And cool. It's meant to be gorgeous down there. Mate, honestly, it says like, so I'm going down tomorrow. I'm going to see my mate tomorrow in London. Um, nice. We Friday to Monday trip. And it's like, oh, be prepared for 40 degree weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, legit. It's like Scotland's getting rain and England's getting yep. Tenerife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was in Tenerife um, a couple of weeks ago and it was like, maybe it was like a really comfortable kind of yeah. Tenerife weather. You know, there'd be yeah, sometimes yeah. it's too hot. Um, oh, yeah. So it was around maybe like 30, 32 Amazing. which is what you want 40 is just no it's not it's happening that's just yeah stay inside ice bath stay in stay inside We're actually you, need going a, down. you need a pool at that at that temperature you just if you have a pool around perfect awesome jump in the pool jump back out it's great totally how do we pull when we were in, in tenerife it was lovely it was like a it wasn't big enough for like a swim swim because i'm quite mm. i'm quite tall <laughs> but you can Same. always like dip in you know and just you know chill yeah. out so that was always nice um but yeah, so I'm going down to London tomorrow and we're going to be recording episode 100 hey. of the podcast. So it's a big oh, celebration. Um, so buzzing for that. I'm going to record with my original co-host that we started it with oh, a few years brilliant. ago. So that's going to be class. Um, but what about you? Have you got any plans for the summertime? Any holidays planned? Other than London? I, no, I'm going down going down for a, a job in London um, and I'll be down there pretty much for the for the next month, uh, which would be great. I'm really psyched. Um and gonna see some friends when i'm down there and it's one of those things when you go down to london for work it's like yeah it's joyous it's um all the little things that would normally aggravate you if you were going down to try and get work uh don't bother you as much because you're like i get to go home after this <laughs> <laughs> right right and you can you can kind of relax knowing that you're going to be doing something there you know it's yeah. not like you're looking for it you know legit yeah, well, I'm looking forward to going just to kind of for a wee couple of days away. We're going to get some ice cream, you know, yeah. maybe go to the BFI, something like that, ice. you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know. The issue is when a big movie comes out to the cinema, like Thor, mm. for example, right? Uh huh. It like takes over everything. So like Thor's like the only thing on, apart from a few yeah, other yeah. things that have like one showing. Have you got to the cinema recently? You managed to see anything? No, I haven't. I really wanted to get to the cinema to see um everything everywhere all at once. Yes. I really am gutted that I missed that in the cinema because I think that would have been a, a slightly different experience. Um, and then, yeah, haven't I've been just kind of having movie nights at home. Yeah, um, I I invested in a, a a TV a couple of years ago that is sort of home cinema style. Well, it's not home cinema style. It's just it's it's big. It's yeah. bigger than <laughs> it needs to be. But it was one yeah. of those like I went in to go and buy a TV, and they were like, "Well, you could buy this one, or you could buy last year's model, which is like another ten inches and uh, is the same price as this." And I was like, "Well, uh, well." And I at this point only had a PS3, 
this was like at the very, this was pre-lockdown. So just right. before lockdown. And I was like, I'm not going to invest in a PS4 until I have something that is not a 24 inch LG <laughs> that I bought 10 years ago. Right. Um, I was like, I need, to, you know, if the graphics are going to be worth it at all. Also, because now the games, everything's tiny. Like all the menu screen things you're trying to load and see if you've got a small TV. It's like, cool. Never mind. Like, I it's guess like, I it's like FIFA. You can't see the ball when you. <laughs> Yeah, legit. You're like, okay, never mind. I guess I can't play this game. <laughs> I, I actually, there was something in in Hook when I was watching it last night, and uh, and there was a detail I'd never seen before, but it was because I'd never seen it on a TV big enough to notice. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought the best though when you watch a film that you've seen oh. a million times, and then it's oh, like yeah. bits pop out that you don't remember. Oh, totally. Well, and I think as well for me watching Hook again and like actually sitting down to watch it because there's so many times where it's been. Uh, it, just on in the background, there's a few things that I hadn't really, I was like, I don't remember this bit. I was like, I remember yeah. it, but I don't internally remember it. And I've seen that film a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get to that stage where I can, you know, I, I'm quite bad at just like starting a film at a random point. I like to, you know, watch uh-huh. the whole thing. If we're going to watch the film, we'll sit down and we'll watch it, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but you know, you, when you get your favorite films of all time and they're like, you've seen them millions of times, hmm. you, you know, you can just pop them on at any point. Just jump so I've in. got a few things like that you know but um i feel like if you don't know it really well you know i kind of get distracted by different moments you know yeah totally so you mentioned just before lockdown that you got that tv did you have like a kind of lockdown show or a lockdown thing that you would binge where we were all kind of i uh, burned our way through westworld um which was yeah amazing um there's a new new series coming out of that as well um oh gosh what did we watch the good place um i think i finally watched all of kimmy Sh- kimmy schmidt that i hadn't seen cool. um a few other series oh we watched like the expanse and uh what was it that came out in lockdown it was apple thing i to be honest I, apple apple tv have been killing it for me it's so crazy how many streaming services are out there, but they all put out their own stuff too. You're like, how, how do you keep up? You know. Well, but honestly, like Apple's game is a lot stronger than Netflix right now. Right. Like as far as from from my money, what was it called? Uh, Ted Lasso. Well, Ted Lasso definitely. Like Ted Lasso is amazing. Uh, Mythic Quest, which is okay. Rob McElhenney's show, who created oh. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's him and Charlie and Megan Gantz who write It's Always Sunny and they write Mythic Quest and it's like pathos and comedy and the same thing that Ted Lasso did where it was like halfway through the episode you find yourself crying and you're like why am I crying at people <laughs> LARPing like at this point and, and it's, honestly there's an episode where there's LARPing and I was like well, I don't know why I feel so emotionally invested in this <laughs> you not. never watched that before and it's like whoa why, why do I care I mean? so much Honestly, it was so good. And then um, the other one's the sci-fi, um, which I can't remember the name of. It's um, got Jared Harris and... Oh, it's really good. I need to look this up. Um, oh, hang on. But it's uh, it's based on... It's an Isaac Asimov book. And they, foundation. Foundation. Thank you. Um, yeah. They, uh, they've been trying to make it for for years and years because it's one of the things that inspired star wars and all these other like wow. massive sci-fi is like loads of things like you you watch it and go oh okay that yeah. was definitely stolen from but they also used some really interesting concepts and from 
book adaptation to TV adaptation. Like they've made some things. There's one big character that they've that isn't in the books really, but they right. you they just did this really interesting allegory for for rulers and kings and just just loves loads of really awesome nuance and the way that they're shooting stuff is killing me. I need to watch Slow Horses. Jack Loudon was the year below me at uh, at the Academy. Right. And watching him cutting about with Gary Oldman's like, yes, mate. <laughs> like, oh, that's awesome. It's so strange, isn't it? When you see people you know with. Like... <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah. yeah I mean... It's crazy. Um, no, well, so my, my lockdown show was Ozark. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Oh, I need to get on that. Yeah. And that was the one. I don't know why I just started it. I think maybe like the new season was coming out like in 2020 uh-huh. and i was like all right well maybe i'll catch up with this yeah. um so that was my lockdown show where it was like you had a routine you know every every day you were in the house <laughs> maybe go for a walk <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh go in and watch those like and then the final season was split into two parts um which i don't understand why people do that you know why why the companies need this but i understand yeah. it's like you know we'll give a wee bit of um anticipation for the next part coming out but yeah. just do another season why does it need to be part two you know especially well, with like stranger things recently with like I heard recently with the Stranger Things uh, split, it wasn't actually that they were intentionally, like it wasn't an intentional thing. They just weren't ready. The like really? the last two episodes were still in post-production and they were just like, oh. uh, we need more time. So they were like, give us another month and we can tidy up all the CGI and all the little things that we need. And I think, I mean, to be fair, I think it also played into their hands pretty well. Absolutely. Of, uh, of, of, and the way that that season, the way that they marked it off, I think was quite smart because the last two episodes were quite heavily you needed to know what what had happened the spoilers that would have been through the first half yeah but it wasn't like an intentional like oh we're gonna split it up into a really? two season okay, they were just sure. like we can't deliver this we can't we don't have a full series was it intentional to make it like two hours each episode like many movies almost no you know? it must have been because i mean the thing is as well it could have absolutely been five episodes you know it could have been and even like the points in the episode they were probably written to be five episodes and they were like "Eh, let's just make it all one yeah i think people like that as well you know well it means as well they don't have to build to like cliffhangers as much they can let the story like let the natural tension of a moment happen where you you know because loads of good great tv and film do that where they'll they'll take you with a character leave you in a situation with them and then leave them and although somebody had, had done a TikTok and it was, um, this is spoilers for uh, 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 Stranger Things. When, well, when I've not, I've not held... seen it, but I'll take, I'll, I'll take my earphones out. No, no, I'll, t- I'll take my earphones out. On you go. Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. <laughs> but there's just one moment where like a, a group get kind of left for a while. Okay. <laughs> and then like you come back to them like a half an episode or an episode later and you're like, oh, they've just been, just been chilling there. That's the fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of like time doesn't really mean anything dramatically. Yeah, I like um, I like watching things that are like in the buzz just now. You know, like relevant, so you can yeah, talk yeah. to people about it. You know, yeah. Um, and then Stranger Things comes out. Well, it didn't come out of nowhere, but like season four, it almost as if everybody just loved yeah. it all of a sudden. You know, yeah. it's always a popular show, but I watched the first season when it first came out, and then that's I just didn't go back to it. But now it's like I got to go back to it. I'm gonna yeah. I want to start from the beginning and do a whole binge. You know, so that's my next. No, I finished those arc. I'm gonna go Stranger totally. Things next. I think. Oh, that's a good yeah. show. Like it's it's interesting because like. I actually started this season going, eh, I don't know. And then really? halfway through, I was like well up for it. I was like, nah, I'm into it. But I have a friend who hates it. I have a, really? a friend who loves the first the first couple series and 
he absolutely despises the new one. He's like, they've betrayed all the characters. And like, I mean, I could elaborate, but it was, it was interesting. It's, it's, I think it's split some people, but the majority of the people that I speak to are like, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, as you say about the streaming services, I mean, there's just, they have that freedom to, you know, have as many parts of a season as they want or have two hour finales and things like that. And you don't really need to cut anything out because you don't need to worry about adverts, you don't need to worry about TV networks. You can do anything you want. And that's kind of, we are spoiled in this day and age with all the Marvel shows on Disney, with all the original stuff on Netflix, Amazon, Apple, YouTube now doing their own thing. Like it's crazy, you know? Uh, No, it is. I I need to get on uh, Succession. That's another one. That everybody's oh yeah, been that's, about. that's up for lots of Emmys, isn't it? Everybody's been saying, yeah. Oh, oh that was it as well because we watched. Um, uh, oh, is it? It's not the network. Um, um, Jennifer Aniston won. She won a. Oh yeah, the good. The morning show. The morning show. That the first season of that is awesome. Is that really good? Yeah, it's really good. Second season, I stopped halfway through because I felt like they'd kind of said what they were what they were saying like the whole Go first ahead. season is 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 pretty perfect um and then afterwards it was kind of like where are you gonna go with this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those end of a season kind of moments where you're like oh okay yeah what do we oh do i hate that when when like yeah. they can't follow up if for example, the show gets cancelled so big <laughs> yeah exactly you know um i was watching the show glow you know about the wrestling the, oh yeah yeah uh, it's a glorious ladies of wrestling and yeah like it got cancelled in lockdown because it was like, oh, production's oh. too much just now. We have to be careful what we're spending. So I'd like watched the, like the the final episode, of the season three or something, and like this huge moment happened, and it's like you know when you're watching it, there's not going to be a payoff to this unless they bring it back years oh. from now. You know, it's so frustrating sometimes. You know, Ooh, totally. There's nothing better than when a series goes out on top when they're like, yep, this is what we want to do. This is it. We're out. I just oh, that was another one we watched uh, Afterlife. Oh, me too. Oh, Oh, man. man. So good. But it was also, you know, I'm sure he could have kept going for series after series and people would have been into it. It was really popular. Yeah. But same, same with Schitt's Creek. They could have, they could have kept going, but they were like, nope, this is the story that we wanted to tell. This is, and so much people have so much respect for that, I think. Yeah. Because it's, it is the sort of new long form storytelling and like these Netflix things or these, these, these series where you're getting game of thrones was you know <laughs> not I, I not even close to the first but hbo hbo were sort of pioneers i think um of of yeah. doing that long form series like a movie where it's basically you know a six hour movie split over six six parts um and it's interesting what you said as well about the like things that were structured originally for uh for tv with those commercial Mm -hmm. breaks and we still kind of use that structure so like a tv in tv format in la they'll be like okay after 15 15 pages you need to have a cliffhanger and another five pages you need another cliffhanger because this is when our commercial breaks are and all these kind of things but we still use that and it's cool what netflix and these sort of series have taken away from that is going okay the structure of that idea works but then we don't need to be as heavy-handed with it They'll take you on a ride. And also because the episodes can be as long as they want, you know, maybe they will do a cliffhanger midway through in case you yeah. want to take a break, you know, which yeah. is quite which is quite good, you know. Or in um, uh, Mythic Quest, they have uh, a standalone episode every series that has nothing to ah. do with, well, it has nothing to do with the main story, but it has everything to do with the theme and the sort of feel and usually about one or two characters and their sort of backstory. 
and cool. they're just like these little art pieces like these standalone one hour absolutely gorgeous moments that i was like this is awesome why are why haven't we been doing this this is really really cool i want to I see more things like this you start writing emails and you try to get that tone why were we not doing this before yeah um so yeah i i got in touch with you because i recently saw you perform which is a, this feels like a kind of novel thing now um, oh, totally and oh. I mean, obviously to perform as well and also and i've never been entertained by a toilet before um so <laughs> i think so i was, was hoping you could first. <laughs> I was hoping you could explain to the listeners uh, not only what the show was about that you just did for uh, Play Pie and a Pint, uh, you did Scots, but also tell us a little bit about your character. <laughs> well, um, it was hilarious. I've told everybody this story, but the the director like almost couldn't couldn't get the words out. She was like, phone me before you agree to this because I don't want you to see the, the name on your contract of who you're playing and be like, excuse me. Um <laughs> She was like, uh, so uh, we really want you to play. Um, so the story is is going through Scottish history from the certain perspective. And right. the perspective is of um, who we want you to play. And I was like, Jemima, just say it. Like, it's okay. What is it? What are you, what are you so afraid of? She's like, you're going to play a toilet. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. That sounds hilarious. It's like, it's going to be very silly. It's going to be really silly. I'm like, that's my MO. Like, that's my jam. To you. Yeah. But she'd already sold it to me. It's just like a, a journey of Scottish history through the through the perspective of Scotland's first toilet. Yeah, that sounds hilarious. Sounds and great, it was. Yeah. It was like, it was loads of fun. Scott and Claire, um, who are Noisemaker, who wrote the music right. and, and, and the story are just, they're awesome. Like, I've got a rule that if they offer me a job, you just take it because it's going to be fun <laughs> and it's going to be silly and glorious. And it was just, it was so fun. Um, and there was a few, a few mo- moments that I jokingly described to my friend as Scottish accent on beast mode because it's those like right. intense history things where it's like, um, House of Stuart at a glance, James the sent to France, 1420s home he spared, 1430s now he's dead. Um, and uh, oh, it was a great show. Really, I, I hope there's another life in it because it, it it was really amazing as well, the reaction that we got from people. Right. Because when we were doing it, we were like, I don't know how audiences are going to take it. They could they could turn on us. They could be like, nah, not into this, not into yeah. talking toilet. And the fact that it starts off, you know, it's, yeah, it's it's very silly and a little bit surreal, but it was a joy to perform. Well, that's that's the thing. Like, uh, I see a lot of these these things that you know play pie in a pint and odd and mode and, and things like that. Mm. And what I love about it is that you get in and you get out. You know, it's not they don't you know you don't yeah. overstay your welcome. It's nice and easy to watch. Totally. You know, it's relatable things like that. You know, and a lot of people who have speak to about it. It's like I really hope you know we can take this further. And I was like, there's no reason why you know you couldn't because especially this one because I think this one is definitely the best received one I've seen in a long time, mm. where everyone was just talking talking about it and. Um, been really was. moved by it, I think, and there's no it reason was. why this can't have you know life after you know. I hope so. I think. I mean, I, I think it would definitely not go amiss at the fringe for sure. Like, right. yeah, I think fringe would be perfect for it because it's also one of those things where it's enough about. Uh, there's nothing too parochial about it. It's it's a celebration of Scotland without being like 
going to do that. And, you know, no, it, it's not yeah. full of in-jokes. It's totally. There are in-jokes because you go, well, yeah, we know what happens, you know. Um, or for the people who know who Mary Somerville is, like, mm. there's a nice little moment of like, oh, when she comes from the back, slow clapping all the Scottish male inventors. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, who's this? <laughs> and some of the older women you could hear when they go, ah, oh, nobody. I'm just Mary Somerville. <laughs> and you could hear some of the older older women go, ooh. As moments like that as well. And yeah. then where it gets to at the end, because I don't think many people expect expect it because it's very silly to have an emotional punch and impact and i think as well yeah. the message of the of the story was was perfect like um yeah scott and claire just had had a really nice idea that wasn't <clears throat> it's obviously hard to talk about um scottish history or scottish current events without being political um because and it's one of those things where right now there's so many moments that we need to, you know, we absolutely need rallying cries to yeah. galvanize people and and make sure that human rights are being defended and things like that. But also when you come to the theater, 90% of the people there don't want to be told political thoughts. They Reminded just want to it, be, yeah. they just want to be taken away yeah. from how silly and awful the world is and go let's distract myself and what's really lovely is the sentiment throughout the show is like it's kind of letting go of your shit like yeah. whenever you can let go of your shit and and just look make some for, form of future like my big thing as well with like mental health stuff it's yeah. like it's really easy to get you know as an actor in particular you know when you're you're waiting for jobs or or distracting yourself while you're waiting for other things um moving forward in any way is always going to be a positive um in any direction even if it's just not yeah just not staying stagnant yeah definitely tangent we're getting political <laughs> i know totally this is me saying i wasn't yeah so no it's great um it's definitely, and also seeing it, you know, during Pride, obviously, and uh, yeah. things, you know, was happening in the world in terms of like the abortion stuff. Like that was yeah. right in the news at the time, and a lot of people well, that were happened really... that week, and we had to we had right. to add something into the show because we were like, we can't have this be happening right now and not acknowledge not it. Mention it. Well, that's one yeah. of the cool things as well about Play Pine a Pint because they're being developed in the weeks leading up. You've only to got it. a few days, and yeah, yeah, you've only got two weeks to put on the show, put it all together, and that that happening the week before we opened was like we got to talk about this like there's not many you know theater forms where it is new writing and because it's new writing it's not like you know it's not like shakespeare and we're gonna be like roe versus thou dost thou agree with roe versus wade (laughs) (laughs) people like standing up and leaving because you're like messing with the script and stuff yeah yeah, yeah, totally no exactly everybody's just there to be taken on a journey yeah the air smells of pie (laughs) <laughs> and, and steal beer and <laughs> yeah what was it um, um hannah jarrett scott apparently she did a one-woman show and she kept calling it the pie dungeon and then <laughs> jemima levitt because the artistic director she got up to do the intro and was like welcome to the pie dungeon ah, and she totally threw herself for the rest of the, <laughs> the intro because she was like don't say that don't say i that. mean jemima's done such a great job when you've taken oh, over like he's totally absolutely. changed that i mean i'd, I'd went before she was in charge mm-hmm. and it was great. But now it's like, it feels like you, you would make an effort to make it a routine, you know, to go because there's so many different yeah. things on all the time. So she's been 
such a godsend to the whole program, you know? A hundred percent. Like, I think it's just livened it up a little bit and made yeah some more immediate pieces. Yeah. Tell me, um, tell me about your story then, because obviously, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know you personally. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're not from here originally. I don't know no. where you got started. And, uh, when did you want to be an actor? When did that start? Was that always something from when you were wee? Um, so I, I kind of always did like little acting things and skits and it wasn't as much like a, I want to be an actor thing as I wanted to entertain people. Right. I, I, exactly my thing too. Yeah. I just got, I got something out of, out of entertaining people and making people laugh, especially. And it, it was like, I felt more comfortable in front of 500 people than I did in front of four. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you asked me to do a monologue in front of two people, I'd be like, nope, thank you. Um, whereas, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can get me on stage and not even give me a script. I remember there was one moment where I was like, oh, this is a buzz. And I was like, I'd done like improv classes and had some really nice reactions from folk where I was like, oh, oh, wow, this is this is quite nice. This is fun. Um, And there was one day where we had to stall for for time um, for a show. And I just remember going out and just riffing with the audience and just like asking them questions and people were talking back and I was sassing them, sassing them back. And it was just kind of these, this really comfortable, um, I don't know, it was just a, a, a way of being. And then it was kind of after that and a few other shows that people had said to me, they were like, you know, you could probably make a living doing this. And I was like, yeah, but not really. Like yeah. we all know, we all know that it's like a one in a million shot to actually make a career in acting. Um, because the idea of like Hollywood and that kind of stuff never really appealed to me. And I wasn't even that much of like a film buff. I was honestly, I was into cartoons. Cartoons yeah. was my jam. Like when I was in high school, the venture brothers came out and the venture brothers is a adult swim cartoon, right? that was just genius patrick warburton is one of the voices um and i mean i grew up watching that and dragon ball z and all these kind of things and so like a lot of my physicality and movement comes from uh, looney tunes and you know tom and jerry yeah tom and jerry absolutely like and you may have seen a bit of that in the physicality from from scott's where it's (laughs) you know and i have a pretty ridiculous body anyways like i look like a cartoon um i'm nearly two meters tall i'm six six and a half it's i'm a half an inch away from the only reason i say the half is because i'm a half an inch away from the legal qualification of a giant Um, oh really (laughs) yeah yeah. so um it's uh I went and I did a KFC advert and these two guys came in for the recall and I was like, oh, wow, these guys look like cartoon characters. And then I got a recall and I'm like, I am also a cartoon character. <laughs> you know what that's going to be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm well into that. Um, but yeah, I started off doing doing musicals um, just at the high school. When I was in middle school, there was uh, sort of joint productions where they would take the chorus members from from the middle school. And I remember getting like my first line and it was that way where nobody had microphones it was a 400 seat it was an auditorium like a gym it was basically a gymnasium Uh, the acoustics were awful nobody had microphones you just had to shout (laughs) yeah which when i got to drama school turned out was really great because i had a decent lung capacity for uh for projection (laughs) um 
but I got into, um, I started doing acting and I was, I was doing little things here and there. And it was actually a band teacher. It was a mm. band teacher who'd sent his son to this school called Interlochen in Michigan, which was an arts boarding school. And he was like, if Tyler's serious about making a career in acting, then he should look into going to this school. And I was like, I don't know about that. Um, but they had a summer program and my dad and I went and auditioned. Um, I had done competitive acting called DDF called, which is drama, debate and forensics. Um, not okay. like cutting people open, like or oratory uh, forensics. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> glad you clarified. That. Yeah, yeah, I thought, I thought that might be uh, confusing. Um and when I was a freshman, which is like basically third year of secondary school, but oh, yeah. it's first year of high school. Um, when I was a freshman, I won first in the state for pantomime, which is basically mime. The only rule for pantomime was that you couldn't make any noise with your mouth. Um, and so I did this this piece about a guy playing Mario and I timed music so that every time I would like be playing the controller and I would pause it and the music would go do 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 and I would take a drink of water. And it would come back in. I timed all this thing. And I won first in state. It was amazing. Second year, I moved to a new school. Brand new school opened up. And I was like, awesome. I'm going to go to this new school. And we're going to totally become the new awesome, you know, awesome team. And I had my friend Eric Kleppen. And uh, and we, we were going to build the team. And then we both got kicked off the team for missing uh, two mandatory meetings that we didn't know about during finals week. This oh. woman just basically wanted us off the team. I don't know what her deal was, but the week that the state competitions were that year was the week that I auditioned for Interlochen. And I went in and I did my audition and I walked out and my dad was like, how would you like to go here? I was like, I, summer camp sounds awesome. And he goes, no, we're thinking school. And I was like, oh. what? Are you serious? Like, but what about my friends? What about like, yeah, uh, I, uh, what about money? Um, <laughs> And I got a scholarship. I got a scholarship to go. They, you know, my parents spent all my college money sending me there. And their thought was, well, you'll be able to get into a better college if you go from here than you would coming from Alaska, for sure. Um, which is where you're originally from, right? Which is where, I'm, yeah, I was born and raised in Anchorage, in Anchorage, Alaska. So first, teen, first 16 years of my life was um, was there and then moved to Michigan for two years to go to high school, go to basically what was Hogwarts for the arts. Like, <laughs> it was amazing. Like, everybody, people there were child prodigies from South Korea and wow. Japan and all over. Um just amazing, amazing people. Um, one of the guys who was in my year, uh, Charlie was just in, oh, what was he in? Um, oh, he was in the Batman. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> you, you know, the twins, um, the uh, security, yeah. have you seen it? Yeah. So the, the, the twins, he's one of the twins. He was also in, okay. uh, is, um, Charlie and Max. Yes. Um, uh, went to high school with Charlie, and uh, cool. and so seeing him, he's also in Ratched, the Netflix thing about oh, yeah. Ratchet, um, and Desperate Housewives and stuff. It was just like, yes, Charlie. <laughs> um, anyway, what was I talking about? Uh, went to Interlochen. Uh, you moved. You moved to Michigan. Yeah, that's it. And then they have a really good connection with Royal Scottish, so I got into Royal Scottish back before it was the Conservatoire. Um, <laughs> yes, very, and, very fancy. Yeah, very fancy. Uh, and then, yeah, I came to Scotland. They did a post-study work visa, um, and I was able to stay and work and make connections. And 
meet people and then I had to go through some visa shenanigans about five years ago, uh, uh, which was amazing because the Scottish industry rallied behind me and were absolutely more supportive than I ever could have imagined. I was yeah. telling my parents at the time, I was like, I am in the best position possible because I have a bunch of pissed off Scots at my back. <laughs> and like, He's no leaving. That's not happening. This is, this is rubbish. <laughs> He's no leaving. You sound like um, you ever seen chewing the fat, you know, oh, with uh, Ron, Ronald Villiers. Uh, Ronald Villiers. Oh, uh, Ronald Villiers. Uh, I was uh, in Tiger. I was the corpse. <laughs> That's right. I actually met. So there's a guy on my voiceover agents books called uh, Jay Villiers, and I was right. like, "Have you ever seen chewing the fat?" And he was like, "No, he's English. He's the voice of Tesco." Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Have you ever seen Two in the Fat?" There's this sketch about this guy Ronald J. Villiers, and he was like, Are "You uh, presuming there's any uh, any connection?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no! I don't, I don't mean that." Because I, I, I prefaced it by being like, "Oh, it's about this really bad actor." <laughs> he was like, <laughs> "So," I was like, "No, no, no! It's just, it's just, it was funny." I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up now. <laughs> it's a fictional yeah. character, I swear. Is it? Oh, but yeah, I put my foot in there. He was one good chap, favorite. though. He was he was good for him. He laughed about it afterwards. Good, good. Um, when I was I'd, not, I was looking you up or anything like that, but I did, you know, mm. have a look on your IMDb, and mm. I saw that you were in Where Do We Go From Here, and yeah. uh, I haven't seen it, but I know that it's a very popular film. Um, mm. and you were doing a Scottish accent in it, and when you're hearing. You you talk now. There is some like oh, yeah. Scottish, you yeah. know, words, sound, and words that came out. Fourteen you know? years. It's hard. Exactly. To, yeah. To not assimilate in some capacity. How was that? obviously doing your, your Scottish accent and the show as well is just um, impeccable. How was it doing? Where we go? Where do we go from here? Well, so uh, the funny thing with that, when I was in third year at the academy, um, Alison Peebles was a judge for the Scots speaking competition that we had. Nice. And Alison plays Joan in Where Do We Go From Here, who is one yeah. of... So we, when John and I were casting, um, we were like, Alison's awesome. Like, we'd love, love to have Alison. But I was like, I need to be on my A game for this because, like, otherwise, I can't disappoint <laughs> Allison Peebles. Um, and so I, I just knew I had to be on my A game, and I was, I was working away and working away at it. And um, but my goal when I did that Scots comp speaking competition was, I was like, I want to, uh, I want one of the judges to think I'm Scottish. That was my yeah. goal. I was like, I don't need to to win the competition. Um, I just need to be passable and fool the Scots. And that was my goal when I was at uni was get a passable accent. Um, and then over the next few years, because I mean, realistically, it took me about four years to understand the concept of banter. Like, right. Like when somebody is ripping the pish, like absolutely ripping you and being like, oh no, this is, this is a good thing. This is a good yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, rather than being like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Why is everybody so mean? I was like, oh no, they're actually like, yeah, it's banter. Yeah, Scottish people are very friendly. It's just it's banter, yeah. And I was oh, like, from it, Glasgow, I'd say. Yeah. And there's like, there's a certain energy that like you kind of because with accents as well, you can't just do an accent. Like I, right. The reason why I sound really weird is because I speak in an American accent, but I say things like a Scottish person. So I'll say right. certain words with the emphasis that a Scottish person would say. But all my mouth structure, except for a couple vowels, where sometimes I'll say like, um, 
uh, like hosts <laughs> accidentally. It'll sound really Canadian. Go to the host. Um, <laughs> or like I'll say a boot and things like that. That's just yeah, from yeah. living in Scotland. Um, but yeah, being being the character and it was really, John had a strong idea of the character for, for James. And it was also, I could kind of get away with a few things because the character was meant to be a little bit of a weirdo anyways, who'd been right. sort of living in an old folks home since he was, you know, um so yeah yeah i saw that clip in your your shuri that's why i brought it up because i thought it sounds really good oh yeah, yeah. amazing <laughs> class yes. yeah um that, i was, I was of, doing that i think i love mac and cheese i mean i know yeah, it's the mac and cheese that was like, yeah. i know it's just pasta with cheese grated over it but i love pasta i love cheese i love pasta too. um but see what in terms of accents it's one of my favorite things to do in terms of when you're performing right but because mm. i've not because I've been out of drama school for a while, it's like I've been out of practice with doing some accents, right? So yeah. since then, I had a bunch of accents on my CV, right? It was uh-huh. like the Dan- Daniel Kaluuya uh, way of doing it. You know, he, he t- talks about how you put every accent on your CV because, like, oh, you, of really? course, you'll be fine, you know? Get, yeah, in, yeah. get in the door, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I had that idea, so I just put them all on there. And then you go for an audition, like, two oh. years later, and, like, they ask you to do one of these accents on your CV that you've never been able to do. <laughs> and you're, <laughs> you're stuck. <laughs> You know, yeah. that that on top of, because um, I, I usually wear glasses, but I also have contact lenses, but the part uh-huh. I was going for required glasses, so I wore them. Right. Um, and the guy's like, oh, why don't you, you know, we'll do one without the glasses, um, which is fine, but then I couldn't read the script. Yeah. So here's me, like, not knowing not knowing what to say, <laughs> and this horrendous accent, I think it was, it was supposed to be like Northern Irish, it oh, sounded kind of like, it sounded Swiss or something, I don't know. Oh, no. but- <laughs> But it's, it was a lesson learned that moment. So oh, I, I'm very yeah. impressed with your Scottish accent. I know directors that will specifically, if if you put things on your CV, uh, like for accent, they'll be like, oh, yeah, how's your Geordie accent? Yeah. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Like they will pick or, or, the one. Or instruments. Like you, you oh, turn up to an audition yeah. and there's a piano waiting for you. Oh, like... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's never a good one. I went for an audition actually once that was, um, well, I, I, got, I got the brief through because I've got drums on my CV. I can play basic yeah. drums. I can, you know, like I can play a fill. I can keep time. That's nothing super complicated. And I got an audition that said jazz drums. Oh. And I was like, um, I found my age and I was like, jazz drums. Jazz drums is a little bit different than regular drums. <laughs> more tempo, right? Like, you know, yeah, it's a lot more intricate. Like jazz, yeah. jazz drumming is a lot more. It's ghost notes. It's being able to do, you know, uh more complicated fills it's there's different timings with each hand sort of thing you can do basic ones but again like for it to look like good jazz drumming if i was to do jazz drumming what you hear in the birdman um right right i was going to say whiplash is that one as well whiplash totally so it's those like it's not just like like and i went into this audition and it was hilarious because the gambit they clearly just said like every all the agents had been like yeah if you've got drums on your cv just go for it just go for it and you could hear people before being like and you're like oh my and then there was a guy who went right before me who was like absolutely plays weddings and you know is a jazz drummer and i was like see that's what they were looking for like that's why they said jazz drummer and not drummer <laughs> but clarifications here. so it was yeah. never as good 
No, no, fair enough. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Kind of, you just need to get kind of lucky sometimes that don't bring up the most obscure parts of your CV, <laughs> or don't put um, them on your CV <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think if you can play basic drums, I think that's fair enough. You know, what oh, I mean? yeah, yeah. I think, no, totally. Just don't put a star next to it. Of like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I work at <laughs> highly a professional, skilled. Yeah, highly skilled in Welsh. Like. Talk to me about when you first started watching movies when you were younger. I know we've kind of we've kind of rambled on, but hmm. that's fine. Um, tell me when uh, you, you first went to the cinema, if if, if that's an early memory that you have, or if you have any memories of watching movies from when you're really young. Do you remember like your first favorite movie or whatever? Oh well, I watched Aladdin on repeat, like literally every day when I got in in primary nice. school. Like I'm I'm positive for like two years. I just watched Aladdin over and over and over and over again. And I'm sure that had something to do with the person that I am now today. Um, <laughs> a genie. <laughs> he, honestly. Well, that was, that was, I was watching it for Robin Williams. I was watching it for, yeah. for genie, but I would, I would literally come in VHS on and sit watch. And, uh, there was that and rock a doodle. If you ever saw that. No, it's a really obscure. Like I kind of forgot about it for a while. It's really scary as well. It's one of those sort of Fievel Goes West in in tone. If you ever, you might not know Fievel Goes West, but like one of these cartoons that was like in the early '90s, where it's like, see when there's danger, it is shit scary. Like, yeah, you know, the clouds are swirling and there's some evil chicken. Rockadoodle is a weird film, anyways. It's about a rock and roll playing chicken. And I'm sure there's loads of cameos that I don't remember, like of celebrities. Where yeah, Christopher sure Plummer's on it, and um, yeah, that's it. Glenn Campbell, yeah, Phil yeah. Harris. Who plays the main guy again? Uh, Toby sure. Scott oh, Ganger. That... Oh, I, don't I don't know. know. I felt like I, I recognized know. him, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's one of these or that or um, they're back. The dinosaur story with John Goodman. <gasps> And nice. like again, like these one. just obscure cartoons. That, like, yeah, ca- cartoons were built different in the '90s and '80s. Right. I mean, you remember Land Before Time? Hell yeah! That shit is tragic. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really, honestly, it's really I think if I watch that again, I just weep. Yeah. Well, I got a, a wee cousin that is six, so he's like into dinosaurs and stuff like that. So it's oh, like yes. time again, you know, Land Before Time. But he's Ooh. more interested in things like you know the Marvel films. I want to see Spider Man. Yeah. You yeah, know, but um, when I, when I was his age, I was like, you know, oh, kid, kids oh, TV. Oh, 100%. You know? Well, and I remember growing up in the 90s and, and somebody showed me like an animation from the 60s and 70s. And I was like, what is this trash? Like, <laughs> right. What is this? What is this in, in low definition? <laughs> what is it? Hand drawn? <laughs> well, so, listen, see, when, when I was mm-hmm. wee, I loved Tom and Jerry and like, mm-hmm. you know, Looney Tunes and things like that. Tom and Jerry had all the videos and stuff, Land Before Time, all that stuff like... Was was the best, you know? Totally. Oh, I used to. But then they redid lots of stuff, didn't they? They remade them, and it just didn't look because it was all it looked better, and it wasn't the same. (laughs) Well, it was all hand. It all used to be hand drawn, and like they used to have basically an army of of people coloring every every cell, every every bit, which is amazing. And I was watching Adult Swim a few years ago, and it was like it. Today, for Hanna Barbera to make a Looney Tunes cartoon, it would cost them one million dollars a minute, <laughs> and, then, and then it came up. But they'd probably make that all back in merchandising. Never, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, probably not. Probably not. Um, 
No, that's crazy. I mean, all the hand-drawn yeah. stuff, the colour on in stuff, like, yeah. I, I could never get my head, I still struggle now to get your head around that, how long mm-hmm. that must take, you know? Oh my gosh, well, and now, yeah, everything's, um, right. just, it's all on the computer, it's so much easier, which is great, because it means it, it can all be be made, but I, uh, there was something magic about about those hand-drawn, and my, my friend is a big Disney nerd, and he has a few cells from original, um, original Disney films, and they're just, like, they're just made different. There's just a care. There's yeah. just a love. That it's hopefully like one of my favorite parts about like going to like Disney World and stuff like that. I've ever ever went on like family holidays and stuff like, and the kind of shops you'd see like stills on the wall, yeah. like Mickey Mouse, original Mickey Mouse stuff. Was it Steaming Steamboat Willie or something like that? Steaming like, Willie. Steaming Willie. <laughs> Steam <and> Willie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, many. <sighs> Will you jump on my big steamboat? I'm getting steaming. <laughs> Mickey Mouse everywhere. I don't know, it's crazy. Um, well, then when I asked you to pick a favourite film or or a film that you, you love or know really well, mm-hmm. you came back with Hook, which I was delighted with because my whole purpose of doing this is to kind of watch films I've never seen before, whether it be you know films from the early 90s or films from the 50s or yeah. brand new films that are hidden gems, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'd never seen Hook before. I can't believe um, that. I obviously heard of it. I remember the, when, when it was first mentioned, I could picture the poster. Yeah. You know, it's such a, it's a loud, bright poster. Oh, yeah. Robin Williams, I'm a big fan. Um, didn't know it was Dustin Hoffman. Ex- um, honestly, it's like a Mandela effect for everybody when they find that out, especially yeah. when you're a kid and you've watched it and, you're, and somebody goes, oh, you remember Dustin Hoffman's hook? And you go, what? <laughs> no. No, he's not. What? And then you watch it and you're like, that's Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. He's, and I wrote down as well, it just looks like he's having a laugh. Doesn't oh. it? it just looks like he's having so much fun in this character. Yeah, legit. Like he absolutely is. I mean, you can tell, and and all of his choices as well are really interesting. There's just like he plays it really honestly. He plays it, and the fact that the, the film is called Hook, like, actually got right. me thinking a little bit more about like the reasons why and the motifs, um, and the whole like he is sort of the evil parent because he's not lying. He's saying, like, in all of his moments with the kids, he's like, yeah. They don't like you. They had. They used to stay up all night and have more fun before you were born. And he, the way he plays it is actually he's playing this like really kind, and it's so evil. It's great. Like he's like manipulating them. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the same thing with like Alan Rickman when he's in when he's Hans Gruber. He's not playing evil, right? He's playing. He's there to get a job done, and if somebody's going to get in the way, then he's going to get rid of them. And it's not. It's not a personal thing. It's just he's not evil. He's just poorly motivated <laughs> oh god die hard so good i, so I only good. just watched that this year i'd oh, never really? seen die hard and i was honestly like part of me was ready to to, to say die hard i had my other well <laughs> you were saying about like things that i um i had uh like early cinema memories i yeah. the two dvds i had in high school were sin city and the animatrix oh yeah nice and those were like I mean, obviously, when I was in high school, I was like, Sin City's my favorite film. And then I... Way cooler. Yeah, so cool. And then I grew up and was like, yeah, Sin City was fun. Like, it's a comic book <laughs> film. It's not necessarily the greatest. It's it's great. I yeah. love I love films that do little little sort of sections. And Animatrix as well was brilliant for me. I don't know if you've seen it. Like, yeah, that years was, ago, years ago. Like, I watched... I used to watch it, like, every other month, mostly for the second Renaissance, part one and two. And that, which is basically what explains how the Matrix world got 
to where it is, it was just like, whoa, this is awesome. And the fact that every each one of those films also had a a different animation style. Anyway, back to Hook. Um, <laughs> well, what I was going to say, you were talking about Die Hard. I was going to say, since you yeah. had never seen Die Hard, that makes me feel a little bit better, but never seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fair enough. That's fair enough. No, I, I there was one <laughs> one night um, this Christmas uh, in December when me and my girlfriend just watched, we watched three films that I'd never seen before, three Christmas films. I'd never seen Die Hard, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, and uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, and so wow. I watched them all in one day and I was not disappointed by any of them. I was like, Dude, no, okay, I get it. I get it. Miracle yeah. on 43, 43rd, that film made me weep. Like, Wait, Which one did you watch? The, like 90s one? The 90s the one with, yeah. um, what's her name? Richard Dattenborough. Yes, and Mara. What's her name? Rooney? Uh, no, not Mara Rooney. Um, you know who I'm talking about from Matilda. Yeah, I've, honestly, like every time she opens her mouth in that film, I was like welling up. I was just like, <laughs> she's so Mara Wilson. So, yeah, Mara Wilson. There we go. Um, that was an absolute gem. I was like, why? This is so much better than I expected. Total um, banger. And yeah. same with uh with Die Hard. Like Die Hard is kind of a perfect film. Like I get why why cinema nerds are like, yep, it's but then this is how I feel about Hook, because my instinct was like I have other contenders, like In Bruges right. is definitely up there for me. Like anything Martin McDonough. Like I just saw three billboards and th- like oh. for me, that is why you make a film. Like if you have that story, then you have to tell it through film. Yeah. Like watching all those characters' journeys, and they're not what you expect. And I think Martin McDonough is really great at writing those twists and turns. Like if you've ever read The Pillow Man or any of his plays, they are genius. Yeah, what was the one? A Behanding in Spokane? I, I did, yeah, but uh, Behanding in Spokane. In, in, in college, yeah, that was that was yeah. great. Yeah, that was the one. Was it Sam Rockwell and uh, yeah. Christopher um, Walken did on Broadway? I would have loved to have seen it. Um, I, I, Jeez, I mean Sam Rockwell and Three Billboards is just unbelievable. And those films, Martin McDonough's films, like yeah, it sounds really cringy, but it's like they remind you why you want to be an actor. Yeah, you legit, want to though. be in these films and these hundred percent. But it's the yeah. way of storytelling. It's like you he uses every part of uh, of the storytelling to tell the story, which sounds really guff, but it makes sense in my head. Like, have you ever seen <laughs> Six Shooter? which was his first uh, short film that won an Oscar and it's uh, Brendan Gleeson. Right. And like, just when, when a story moves like that, and I think hook does this as well. And I, forgot that it was steven spielberg that directed hook but i, I didn't know well, I, I did know but it wasn't until i read it and i was like oh yeah it's a spielberg film and you go oh okay that kind of makes yeah. sense why there's the, it just takes you on a journey and once it sets off it just goes you're not sitting there waiting to be told a story and some you know there's different paces coen brothers do a little bit more of that they're like yeah. come on in and we'll tell you a story we'll reward you for it later yeah a hundred percent yeah we promise there's going to be a payoff but you need to sit with these characters for a little bit and you need to be uncomfortable with them for a little bit whereas spielberg was about it's much more about clipping along and and that journey and i think mcdonough does the same thing where it's like every mcdonough there's an economy of um of score of storytelling so everything that is in it comes back in some way like, which I think is genius. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, Hook does that too, between the the little moments, but with Hook, it's moments of sweetness. With In Bruges, it's moments of tragedy or comedy. Um, like Run Home Jack. 
um and and all the little themes about flying and the yeah. fact that peter banning is afraid of flying but he's peter pan what is also really really fascinating for me about hook is they've taken this is basically a sequel it's a sequel to a story that we all know to peter pan yeah to peter pan but it's I think about it like that yeah it's so it leaves so much of the the source material untouched without ever actually like going into it too much because i'm not really that big a fan of peter pan like the the story i can take it or leave it it's like yeah cool all right um but although if you heard the the theory well it's not a theory it was like sort of the original lore of peter pan is that he uh ushered children to the world of the dead <laughs> i don't yeah, know that no it, it's a little bit grim um and <laughs> and the idea is that he captain hook was actually the first child that he tried to usher Ooh. to the land of the dead um, and he grew up and he's hooks the only one that remembers what what pan does um and he gets all the pirates and that's why the pirates and the children are fighting because the children are the children that he doesn't take to the land of the dead he leaves them in uh -huh. neverland so that they'll never grow up and yeah. they'll never die um and the pirates are the people who've grown up <laughs> um, i would have made the, the film take a bit of a dark turn oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so there's one thing that they keep saying throughout the film as well and it's one of the the, the big sentiments about the the original story which is die death would be an awfully great adventure and the last line of hook is because they've said it i think two or three times before um is that death death would be an awfully great adventure and the last line of the film is life living would be an awfully great yep. adventure and i think it's really really lovely being able to take a story like that that did have this sentiment about death and totally turn it on its head and it's all about hope and um yeah. And it's still about not growing up, but it's about dealing with your problems while growing up and, and the idea of losing yourself. Like I've written down the, the, I've, I've got like, what is it? Seven points that made me cry. Yeah, pretty much. Like there's seven points of that film that I just like involuntarily, there's just, there's a sweetness that I just can't. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was lovely to see. It was lovely to watch because again, you know, you obviously have that memory of watching Hook from when you were younger, like yeah. I assume and so. Oh yeah. And then like you've watched it all your life, and now it's like one of your favorite films. And I know it's like I say, picking your favorite film is like the second hardest question in the oh, world. Oh yeah. Oh, the first being, you know, what's your favorite food? But like, there's so many uh, moments in it where you're like, this could have, this would have moved me even more. Yeah. If I was a wee guy, if I was really yeah, younger, yeah, you know, absolutely. and then growing up with that because you are growing up, yeah. you know, um, yeah. I don't know. I think I get, not that I get emotional or anything like that, but it is quite yeah. important and quite moving when you, when you hear things like that, like the thought of moving and growing up and like, no, it's no longer, you know, appropriate to do certain things and it's no longer yeah. fun to do certain things. And that's kind of scary a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how, how old yeah. you are, but like, I'm, I'm 25 this year. So yeah. I'm like, 25 is like. Yes, like a, like a grown-up age, you know, yeah. and I'm not ready to be neither 30. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm still a big kid at heart, you know? I may, I hear you. I'm 33 and I'm like, but then I I think is there's something that I've noticed with a lot of my friends is you get to like 27 or 28 and something changes and you kind of go, ooh, really? Ooh, what am I doing? What am I doing? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just a different kind of thing. But I do think there is something in that. I think of, of growing up, knowing these moments. Also, I know I know the lines and um, right. when he gets to the, the little kid and he's 
got Peter's face and he just makes him smile and he goes, Oh, there you are, Peter. It's moments like that where I'm just like, Oh, oh, geez, whoa. Yeah, he lost right. himself and he just needs to smile more. But what they do th- with very little dialogue and these little moments, like the first time when they all start standing for, uh, standing for Granny Wendy, when they're right. all like one by one and it's this Spartacus moment of, um, you know, all of them showing their love and it's Maggie Smith and you're just like, right. It, it's Maggie Smith. She's just awesome. Although she's like in her, she's like 93 now. And she made that when she was in her sixties playing an 80 year old. It's like Maggie Smith has been playing like senior citizens since the nineties. Yeah. She's somehow Professor it. McGonagall looks younger than 100%. Wendy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, they definitely aged her up for that. She's like totally, yeah. her walking with a cane and stuff. But um yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right, like with those themes and and getting older and I think as well, Robin Williams, anytime you put a comedic actor in a a role with drama, a role that like cause this is it is a comedy, it's a it's a total romp, but like imagining putting a serious actor into that part. Right. It would have been rubbish like, yeah it kind of makes you take note doesn't it especially someone like robin williams yeah because when i think of robin williams i immediately like think you know funny and yeah. i laugh and i smile and stuff like that because he's that wholesome actor uh-huh. um but even really early in the film where he like shouts at his kids like yeah. really aggressively yeah and it kind of takes you aback a little bit you go robin williams don't do that you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's just it's strange well, the whole you know? film is watching a friend and it, right. it needs to have that feeling of watching a friend who's lost themselves and so, because I, I was thinking about it earlier as well, because he doesn't play any of the the clumsiness. Like, mm. um, he doesn't, he, there's so many points where he like falls into the camera and he doesn't, he doesn't mug. Like, there's never any moments where he's like, oh no, I've, I've hurt myself or it's always, he's playing a lawyer because yeah. he is, he's a lawyer. He's not Peter Pan yet. He's, he's a lawyer. And so when he like runs into things, he's like, uh, <laughs> which yeah. is ultimately so much funnier than yeah. And so even I think like the the maturity of Robin Williams and, and what testament to what a dramatic Goliath he was um, because he knew when to play the comedy and when not to play the comedy. And when, and there's also clearly moments that were him improvising uh, when Tinkerbell comes in through the flat and he just goes, it's like a firefly from hell. And even, even the, sh- the frame, you can tell that he's just run. He knows where the, where the camera is stopped and then run through. He's probably just meant to run right through. Yeah. Um, there's so many little improvs that you just go, that was totally Robin Williams. Well, and speaking of improvs, Yippie Kaye from what? Uh, Die Hard. That was improv. He really? was just doing it for the cameraman's benefit, and it became one of the <laughs> one of the coins for one of the, the the phrase for the franchise. One one of my um my podcasting friends, they uh, were going to start their movie podcast, and they were going to call it Yippie Kaye Movie Lovers. That's pretty good. That <laughs> they said it was too good. much for a mouthful. <laughs> that's a lot of Yippie Kaye Movie Lovers. Movie Lovers. <laughs> that's that's good. I like that. That was good. Um. So. Robin Williams playing like the kind of childlike tendencies of Peter Pan. I've never mm. played a character like that. Mm. I can imagine it'd be really difficult to kind of hold that, you know, like yeah. having to do those childlike. I mean, obviously, and it's really interesting as well. It's early 90s, 91, I think. Yeah. Mm. 91. 
Um, it's interesting seeing the CGI kind of aspects of the films, like making them fly. In a, you know, for example, yeah, um, and well, ropes. And stuff like that. It would have been on ropes, but yeah. like things like that, like it's the way it's kind of evolved. But it doesn't yeah. look. I'm really good at watching old films and being like, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, go, oh, this is a bit dated. Like, yeah. I'm never like that. I'm quite happy to yeah. just kind of watch whatever. But it's really interesting. I find it interesting how, like, in terms of the making of the film, seeing how Robin Williams kind of transforms into that kind of childlike um, tendency of Peter Pan, but also yeah. not looking phased by, you know, doing a backflip because he's flying and, totally. you know what I mean? Like, speaking to people who's in the air and things like that. It's really interesting to watch. No, I think, like, their use of their use of practicals is just awesome. And, like, all the pirate ship sets that they had yeah. and, the, and the, like, I was watching it just going, gosh, this must have been a huge build. Like, yeah. the whole Lost Boys cave and the pirate ship and one of my favorite, this is, like, unashamedly, one of my favorite pieces of music is the hook song. Yeah. And it's, it, I think it was the first instance that I'd heard of a, of a song that it does, cause it doesn't modulate. It just like, it goes, or no, it modulates up. And so it does. And then it goes. And it eventually ends up back in the original key, but like this building sound of this fun pirate jaunt, but the keys change, which really is like a, a tension thing and you go oh what's coming what's coming and they're just going hook hook give us a hook and it's it's literally the uh, probably 20 seconds of them just carrying the hook to show yeah. captain hook and it's the first time we see him but it's the musically there's so many moments in that film as well and i know that the i was specifically listening to mo moments of the score at the point yeah that inevitably i got emotional where you have these huge swells. And I don't know if you noticed as well, because it's John Williams that does the score. There's so many moments where uh, it does an interval that is uh, nearly Harry Potter. It does. So many times like throughout. And that's just, I mean, John Williams. He, I mean, he, you, you know, there's other composers out there, uh -huh. right? However, it's like when you watch a film and it's John, you know, first of all, it's you like, know it's John right? you know who it is, you know, before you even look it up. Yep. I did look up and I was like, I bet this is John Williams and it was. Yep. Um, <laughs> but like, how how many has he done? Like, how many classics oh. in like, that just stand the test of time? Other Man. composers are great, but for some reason, this guy has got some magic touch on these films and stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I, I wish I knew. Well, to be fair, like my old flatmate, has, he's like, well, you know, John Williams stole a lot. I mean, I go, oh, yeah, but still, though, you have to compose it, you know, like 100 percent. And like, I mean, but it's also this is a funny thing as well, because I'll talk to other musicians and they'll talk about like Hans Zimmer because Hans Zimmer's right scores as well. Like another one of my probably top films I've not seen it in years. But did you ever see Prince of Egypt? No, but I've got a mate that loves it. And I know it is awesome. Yeah. Like the soundtrack and every song is just like the there's one song that gives me chills literally just thinking about it and it's the the lullaby um uh when like moses is found in the in the basket but it right. says hush now my darling the sea now don't cry and you're just like oh my god this is gorgeous right and hans zimmer i think is another one of those but hans zimmer doesn't read music so he right plays it all out and then a lot of the credit, I think, should probably also go to their arrangers or their, True. you know, the other people. Because, yeah, yeah, 
the what they do is just well and recently oh what's his name he did the score for uh mandalorian and oh yeah uh what is his name uh, mandalorian a, score is great so simple but really effective and i think that's what john williams did as well i think john williams understood that you need riffs like yeah you need a a, a line that you can hook on to um no pun intended yeah well done um boom get get out (laughs) (laughs) but there's like little moments where like it's really complicated piano-y things but it's all about the energy of of the moment like the the use of music because they even telegraph moments um in hook where they start playing the right before tinkerbell comes they're already playing the sort of and then you see him just standing looking and then the moment he sees tank is when it proper comes in and it builds but it's really like the building is really subtle and it starts before well before the moment it was just one of the first times i'd watch the film really listening to and yeah watching you know about the cameos right no you get you Enlighten me. Well, so remember when they, uh, when the kids are kidnapped and the police uh, detective is in the house? Yes. That's Phil Collins. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you remember the pirate in the boo box? Um, oh, there were so many pirates. I think so. But you remember the one that's like, when Hook's like, there's one among you who is uh, oh, yeah, yeah, who yeah, betrayed yeah. me. And there's the um, the dude with the blue eyes and the beard who gets put, yeah. he's like, it was me. And he puts in the booth. That's Glenn Close. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the last one was, um, uh, is it Neil, was it from Crosby, Stills, and Nash? <laughs> one of the guys. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, he's he's the pirate that gets uh, thud butt when he's hitting the the boards and it's knocking pirates into the water. Nuts, yeah. And he hits him in the nuts. Yeah. It's uh, um, Crosby from Crosby, Stills and Nash. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> thud so butt was my favorite character. But not, oh, maybe not thud's of the whole amazing. Film. It's so oh, good. <laughs> see, one of the best deliveries in that film is uh, is when he goes when he gives. Toodles is Toodles marbles back. He goes, These are Toodles. This, this is marbles. And he goes, Wow, he really did lose his marble. Goes, yeah, he lost him good. <laughs> it's just <laughs> joyous. Yeah. yeah. I like um, when he was rolling down the hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, like, yeah, yeah. His ankles. <laughs> Thud, but. What does he say? Thud ball? I can't remember. Um, um, what do you make of Julia Roberts playing? Tinkerbell, because that's a huge casting. And I was like, you know what? Julia Roberts is a strange choice for Tinkerbell. Yeah. But then when it's like full-sized, yeah. you go, all right, okay, well, there you go. But like in yeah. terms of small Tinkerbell, Julia Roberts is a strange choice, but she's beautiful. Totally. Well, and I think, again, like choosing for basically a sequel, um, all of the sort of different the different ways of storytelling, the different or the different themes that they chose, like with Tinkerbell, because they're grown up, you know, Peter's grown up now. It's not right. like he's a child, but she's always been in love with Peter. There's always been those sort of themes throughout throughout it. So it's like, but they actually explore it. They went into it where it's like, uh, you know, and she knows that she can't be with him. It's this really quite tragic storyline. It's really emotional. So I, th- I actually think Julia Roberts was a perfect person for that because she has a really nice lightness throughout and even like all the whole bits of when she falls down the stairs and she's like i'm dead you said fairies don't exist and she's like come on louder you have to clap you have to clap 
yeah. louder. And she's really quite fun, and and all those moments between between her and Robin. But yeah, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought Julia Roberts for Tinkerbell if I was if yeah. I was casting. But it who was... would that be now? Who who would you use Tinkerbell now? Um, Gosh, don't know. Oh, why I, I think Lily know. James would be quite good at Tinkerbell. Yeah. Um. What's her name from The Good Place? Um. Oh, Reese Witherspoon. No. No. Who's in the good place? Oh, what's her name? What's her name? Sorry, I've got my... Uh, here we go. Darcy, Kristen Bell? Kristen Bell. Yeah. She'd be a good tank. Good shout. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, What about any other Robin Williams films that you like? So you mentioned oh, Aladdin. Um, A couple of weeks ago, or a couple of episodes ago on, on the podcast, we did Dead Poet Society. Oh, um, great which is a classic. And of yeah. course, the, a wee moment that I, I kind of recognised during this film, during Hook, is mm. that when who is it? Oh, what's his name at the end when he f- starts flying? Uh, what's the wait. character's name? Toodles. Who's, who's, yeah, yeah. Who's lost his marbles? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he shouts, "Seize the day!" And that's that's like the message of Dead Poet Society. Oh, there's there's another moment um, where uh, is it Hook? Or one of the kids do a, a Good Morning Vietnam reference. Yeah, I noticed that too. I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I honestly think they were just like, well, we've got Robin. Robin was probably saying, can can, can we throw in a little, good morning, Neverland. And like, they, they even that. pull out of his mouth the same. It's like. <laughs> I bet they did that on set and he was like, right, okay, guys, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, um, I mean, I think as well, we, if you've got, robin williams at hand he he was basically a a, a, an on-staff writer you know for the amount of genius stuff that he came out with i remember hearing about um when he was doing uh a friend like me in aladdin Mm. apparently they went in taught him the song he sang it through twice and they just did three takes and everything that was in the film was from those three takes wow he was just improvising and throwing all of these things around and it was just they were like this is amazing like lightning in a bottle like yeah but oh i mean there's so many so many robin williams films he was he misses doubtfire is the obvious seems to be the most popular one yeah um but i would say goodwill hunting's probably yeah my favorite i don't know though i liked dead poets i like uh good morning vietnam a lot just google it here um there's actually a lot i haven't seen yeah actually um, oh you know what i was thinking about actually is um what dreams may come did you ever see that no highly see. recommend it it's it's a little bit like hook in oh, yeah it's like a robin williams in a sort of really strange magical world um okay explain it is another one that is like complete tragic comedy like he is the perfect person to play this role because it is both extremely troubled and troubling but also he has the right sense of humor to be able to deal with the subject material and it yeah i remember watching that when i was a kid and just being like woo yeah cool i'll definitely check that one out um last question on on the film then this is the Mm. the good bit podcast can you tell me what you think the best bit of the film is or maybe not the best bit but what's your favorite bit of hook oh hard question right i have to say the the scene that i really enjoyed when watching it again was 
<laughs> Dustin Hoff- just Dustin Hoffman and um uh and Bob Hoskins. Right. right. Also, Bob Hoskins Smee is just so perfection. Um, but the scene where they are um they they just have such a good relationship where he's going, stop me, Smee. Ah, no, it's, first of all, he has the idea that he's going to kill himself. And he just, right. you see the look in his eyes and he's so happy. Like Hook is like overjoyed. Like that was the moment where I was like, oh, Dustin Hoffman's just making all the best choices right now. And yeah. it's the kind of choices that make the rules for these kind of things. Because now you can't just do that. You can't just be exactly. like, oh, I'm going to have a terrible idea. I'm going to be really happy about it. Because <laughs> Dustin Hoffman did it so well. Um, and then, <laughs> and it's Bob Hoskins' little moments of, oh, not again. He's like, oh, this again. Uh, stop me, Smee. Try and stop me. I'm pulling the lever. Try and don't stop me. Stop me, Smee. Try and stop me. And then, and then he's like, oh, you know, you can't do this, Captain. And he's like, don't ever do that. Don't ever scare me like that against me. <laughs> like, it's such a funny relationship. It's such a funny relationship. And the fact that they've been there forever and he clearly like goes through his, oh, he goes, are you being traumatic again? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, they, they just, there's a, a lovely sense of history and fun. And then they have that lovely moment of discovering, oh, this is another reason why I absolutely loved it. And I never realized this until, um, it's one of the only Dutch angles in the film. Um, and they do three in the same shot. Um, and it's when Bob Hoskins goes, lightning has just struck my brain. And he has the idea that if that hook should make his kids, Rob, Robin Williams kids love him. He should make Peter yeah. Pan's kids, um, like him. And as he has the thought, it goes, it goes Dutch angle to the left. And then he steps forward and it does another Dutch angle to the right. Oh, and then it goes even closer and it goes back again. And every time it cuts to hook, hooks on a, on a left angle as well. But the way it plays is like, oh, how have I never noticed that? It's so effective. Right. And I yeah. was like, it's one of those things that like, sometimes you feel a shot more than you notice it. Like as a Definitely. kid, I'd always felt like this weird creeping sense in that scene. But that was just joyous. Yeah, I love rewatching films. I always say I enjoy the film the second time I watch it, but then yeah. when you when you kind of get to know it a bit more, yeah. there's so many things you notice. You yeah. go, where has this been the whole time? You know, totally. Well, there's some films that I really enjoy watching. You know, once and I was like, I wish I could rewatch that again. Like Inception, right. I wish I could watch that for the first time again. Right. And like the discovery of those moments of being like, oh well. That. Yeah, not knowing what's coming. Sometimes it helps, but other times it's like you want to kind of be in the unknown a little bit, you know. And sometimes films are just comfort food where you just Absolutely. go, I know, I know what I'm going to get, and I know I'm going to love it. Yeah, I know. Wait to hear this line. This is going to be really funny. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, what have you got? Any anything coming up that you want to promote? Talk about anything? Obviously, it's a tough question. We're in a tough times oh, right now. About to start a job, but I there hasn't been an announcement for it yet, oh, so I can't you. can't really say. Um, but I, uh, yeah, and other stuff I'm doing, doing Panto at the end of the year. I'm doing Tron, Tron Panto this year. Great. So I'm psyched about that. Um, and then other stuff is, uh, is CBeebies. If, if you've got. Nice. If, oh, yes. It, That's another thing I was supposed to mention to you. Uh, okay. Yeah. So my, uh, my girlfriend has been, has been watching her little cousin recently, who's one oh, and a half. Yeah. I think. 
And uh, when I was told her that I was talking to you today, I had uh, had your Twitter up on my phone, uh, and obviously, your I think it's a bad I've or got, a cover photo. Yeah, yeah. You've got is it swashbuckle? Yep. And she was like, "Oh my god, tell us about <laughs> that." I forgot to ask you about that earlier on. Oh, it's it's so much fun. Like honestly, before the pandemic, I was literally starting my day in a ball pit. And can you ask? Listen, can you ask for anything more? Honestly, I was like either jumping in a in a bounce house, although that is exhausting. Um, as, as, I don't know if as an adult you've. When's the last time you jumped on a trampoline? Actually, the other day. <laughs> oh, all right, okay. Um, I wanted to see if I could still do a flip. Oh, that's hilarious. It's but how knackering it's, is it? It's exhausting, though. Yeah. yeah, it's like I used to be able to jump up and down over and over and over and over and over again, and now, nope, absolutely not. I. No. Like three bounces, and I'm like, how? Right? How do we do? How do we do this for hours at a time? Um, but yeah, swashbuckle is just it's it's so much fun, and I'm really really lucky. The producers all let me have a um a bit of a bit of wiggle room of of just playing around with stuff and being like, if if I come in with with an energy or something, they'll be like, yeah, go for it, try it. Go for it. You know, yeah. It's the worst we could say. We'll say no and then we'll do it again. It's like great. Yeah. And yeah. I'd love to do like a CBB show or something. Oh, like, I feel like it'd be quite challenging, but then like really yeah. rewarding oh, yeah. at the same time. Well, we we filmed forty four episodes in thirty three days. Oh. So that was that was that was, that was a little bit intense. Um but it's you know the reaction from folk has been amazing and the the people at CBBs as well, they make kids television and it's absolute yeah. tragedy that cbbc is getting cut right um I, and, and, and disney channel was no longer a thing because of disney plus like i don't know it's 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 a weird time i think as a society you can tell a lot about uh about that society on whether or not they feel like investing in their children right. you know what i mean like education yeah, important thing to entertainment about. and safety like if you don't want to invest in any of those things for the younger generation, then you can't expect them to <laughs> to be kind to you when they grow up and they're like, right. well, you didn't care about us. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, just, I mean, yeah, more more sort of cultivating of 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 these these kind of programmings for for kids and young young adults would be great yeah like developing stuff like i had i had so much. shows i used to watch that made me want to be an actor and maybe want to perform Legit. and things like that you know so, blue peter yeah. i know people who have been inspired to go into creative or scientific professions because of blue peter yep like, totally um and things like keenan and kel which i watched all the time oh, the amanda show totally like the Amanda show made me want to have my own show. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I wanted to be in charge and have all these skits and things like that. Yeah. Um, well, when you, so you, you when you're too young to uh, to enjoy Saturday Night Live, you had the right. Amanda show and all that, all that, and like, absolutely, and Kablam as well. Do you remember oh, that? I didn't know that one. Oh, that was no, I didn't know that one. Honestly, there's just like there's so many kind of things like that that I think I don't know. I, I think we're missing out if we if we cut that. And we don't make things. Yeah. I also think there's a lot of merit that should be put into making things that are funny for everybody and not specifically right. for children, just making things that are funny for everybody. That means like it doesn't have to be inappropriate to be funny. Yeah. Like, everybody in my family, we always used to watch Keenan and Kale. We used to watch Drake yeah. and Josh, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. This one was a little bit later, but did, did you ever watch iCarly? No, I didn't. 
So that that came out around two thousand and I want to say was that the eight? one that um, Ariana Grande was in? No, no, it was Victorious. Uh, this is Miranda Cosgrove and, and stuff. And oh, yeah. iCarly was like, they, she started her own web show and it was right at the start of like when YouTube was becoming a thing. Yeah. I can guarantee you that so many people started a YouTube channel who are making a living off of YouTube now who watched iCarly. So it's really, it's really important. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's, I mean, it, yeah, it's development. It's so many things. And uh, again, like cartoons informed who I am as a person. Yeah. Legit. Well, like, imagine you didn't have that, you know? Imagine yeah. you didn't have that. Oh, 100%. Like, or if, you know, commissioning editors had just been like, no, that's ridiculous. Why would we want to make right. a cartoon that's for children? And you go, well, maybe it is for children. Maybe we want to make things for children. Even The Simpsons. And the Simpsons was exactly what I was thinking about. Family like, Guy. Even, like, honestly, before, I, I was actually thinking before this, I was like, should I pick something that is animated because i feel so passionately about animated things like one of the first things that i saw in cinema not the first things but i went to go like one of my birthdays was to go see shrek absolutely nobody doesn't like shrek like the first one (laughs) like there's nobody people that hate cartoons people that hate comedy they're like shrek's pretty good that's pretty funny yeah it's Shrek is funny. I like Shrek 2 a little bit better, I think, though. Oh, yeah? Oh, I've not seen I it so. in I don't ages. Know. I don't know. But the first one was just a classic. It was like line for line, pound for pound. You were like, this is. Is, this is great. Yeah. Very quotable. Absolutely. Um, we, we actually did Shrek on the podcast a few weeks ago. A few I think ago. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like we were talking about it. It's like, imagine that wasn't cast the way it's cast. Imagine oh, anybody yeah. else being donkey, <laughs> you know? You, you like, can't. It's crazy. It wouldn't have, like, I think as well, like, when you get people like that, you know, Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz and these people that are John Lithgow, you know. <laughs> playing playing the wee guy. <laughs> you, but you you know you cast John Lithgow. He's going to bring so much more than just, like, he's not just going to be the baddie. He's going to be really, really horrible, but also oddly likable. You're like, you still yeah. want him to come back? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and cartoons, there's just so much. There's so much more that you could do without a budget. That I think, and even storytelling. Yeah, I'm really interested in dream logic and like mm. things like even like the Waking Life. Um, did you ever see that? The, no. This Waking Life. It was like a weird, or um, what was the other one with Keanu Reeves? Um, Scanner Darkly. All right, weird no, sort of half animated rotoscope kind of. I don't know, but I don't know. Cartoons so have many merit. good ones. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So many good ones. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Tyler. It's been an absolute pleasure and absolutely. chatting about a film like Hook is always going to be, it's always going to warm up some Wednesday. Yeah. You know? oh, I'm so glad. Well, thanks so much for having me. No, please come back. Please come back for another episode. Maybe you can do one of your uh, animation films. We can chat about Legit. that. Yeah, I'm up for that. Thanks, yeah. Chris. Thanks for listening, everybody, or for watching this episode of the Good Bit Podcast. Please take care of yourselves. And we'll catch you all down the road.